Welcome to the Jesus Show. Not that one. Welcome back to the episode, everybody. That was a better welcome than last week's, right? <laughs> Just a couple things before we start the episode. I want to congratulate Pat and Betty for getting engaged. Pat is one of my really good friends, and I love him dearly. And when he told me that he was going to get engaged to Betty, I was very happy for him. So I wanted to publicly acknowledge and congratulate him. I already sent him a text, and I talked to him, and I said, hey, man, I love you. I can't wait for the wedding. All that good stuff. But again, I just wanted to acknowledge him here. Also, I wanted to acknowledge our friends Caitlin and Frank for also getting engaged. They got engaged in December, and me and Allie went. And we took some pictures for them, and we were part of it, which was kind of cool. So, hey, guys, congratulations on that as well. Guys, also, please make sure, like I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're following the podcast, The Jesus Show NTO on Instagram. All right, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I want to get a little serious with you guys today. My guest today is Kevin Garcia. He's a professional soccer player. In talking to him during the interview, he mentions how close he is with his dad. And it got me thinking, I'm not very close with my dad at all. Growing up, he left when I was, fuck, I don't know. I want to say, shit, maybe, I really don't remember. I want to say I was under a year when he left. And then occasionally I would see him. He would come around every couple of years. And I didn't, I didn't know who he was. My mom would tell me, hey, this is your dad, the times that I can remember, but nothing when I was younger stuck out. And then I got a little older and I, I realized who he was. I just always realized that when he would come around, it was a bad day, bad day, because usually something we were going to do would get postponed or pushed back or canceled because he was around and he wanted to hang out. I remember this one day in particular, my cousin Danny was playing soccer. I grew up watching my cousin Danny play soccer. That's how I got into soccer. And his dad, my uncle, Uncle Nick, he was picking me up so we can go watch Danny's soccer game. I believe it was like a Saturday morning. And I was always jazzed when I went to go see my cousin Danny play soccer because it was a time that I can not only go watch soccer, which is something that I started loving because of Danny and my uncle for taking me to his games. But my uncle Nick would take me to go get donuts before the game. So I was fucking pumped as a kid. Like who doesn't want fucking donuts before anything as a kid, you say, Hey, we're going to go do this thing. It could be boring, but they're like, the adult goes, Hey, but we're going to get some donuts before you're like, fuck yeah, I'm down. So I remember I was outside waiting for my uncle Nick. My mom says, Hey, he's about to come over. My uncle Nick, they lived really close to us. I want to say maybe a four or five minute drive from my mom's house. So they're really close. So he calls my mom and tells her, Hey, make sure Jess is ready. I'm on my way to pick him up. So my mom tells me I run outside and I'm waiting outside and I go outside and a couple moments later, this car pulls up that I don't remember ever seeing before. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, stranger, some people would get lost around our neighborhood. But it was, I, I mean, again, if I have to put a number on it, maybe seven, eight in the morning, it was early. 
So I found it a little odd. And this guy gets out of the car and he goes, hey, fucker. And I look at him and I'm very, I'm very confused. He kind of looks familiar, but I really don't know who this person is. And then my mom comes out and I think I asked her, who is, who is that person? And she says, oh, it's your dad. And I went, okay. So he comes up, you know, he comes up, he says, hi. And I've always seen him. Fuck. What? How old was I guys? Maybe 10, 11, 12. One of those. I was old enough to know, oh shit, he's around. Now what's going to happen? And sure enough, my uncle shows up. He talks to my mom and my mom comes up to me and goes, Hey, you're going to go spend some time with your dad today. And I go, but I'm going to go watch Danny play soccer. I want to go watch Danny play soccer. And my mom tells me, no, it's better if you go with your dad. He wants to hang out with you and, and see you. And I remember feeling scared because again, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up with my dad. He left when I was young. And again, he would show up sporadically. So I was just like, fuck man, why? So I end up going with, you know, my dad. And so I end up going with my dad and we spend the day together. I don't, I don't know how long I was with him, but we didn't do anything. If I remember the memory I have, and I don't know if this is a memory that I've, that I've made up myself or if it actually happened, but he had a girlfriend he had this lady, he had this white lady, and I think she had blonde hair at his place. And we were just watching TV most of the time. And I think at one point he left to go to the bar or some shit. So I was just kind of hanging out with her. And then finally I went back home and I was just like, man, that day fucking sucked. And then as I got older, well, then he showed up when my grandfather died, which my grandfather My grandfather was much more of a father figure to me than my own father because he wasn't around. When my grandfather passed away, it really affected me really hard. Even now, if I talk about my grandfather, if I talk about him a lot, sometimes I'll start feeling emotions and I'll start crying. So when he passed away, it was very difficult for me. I mean, it was difficult on, on on our family. It wasn't just difficult on me, but it was difficult on me. And I remember my grandfather telling my mom, I guess he showed up one day when I was older. My grandfather told him, don't ever, don't ever show your face around here again. And that always stuck with me. So after my grandfather passed away, my dad, my biological father, he showed up and he wanted to see us and I got pissed and I started, I think I started, I don't know if I started yelling at him or if I was just telling him kind of loudly. You need, you need to get the fuck out of here. My grandfather didn't want you here. I don't want you here. And then ever since then, I've had this resentment towards my dad. Because again, he was, he was never around. And that happened, I think I was, when my grandfather passed away, I want to say I was 14. And then a couple years later, I could have been 16 or 17, my dad called. And he wanted to talk to me on the phone. And my mom said, hey, talk to your dad. And I was like, I'm not talking to him. And she's always been very, my mom has always been one to try to get me to talk to my dad. But I try to explain to her, I don't want to fucking talk to him because he's a stranger to me. I'm not just going to walk up to a stranger out, out on the streets and just go, Hey, you want to know what I was doing when I was five? Uh, Hey, you know, I've, I've grown up a lot. Like, Like, it's just, it's weird to me. It's odd. I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I didn't want to talk to him and I hadn't talked to him for a while. And then when I became a flight attendant, I think he called again and I 
did I talk to him again? No, I didn't talk to him again. It'd been a while since I talked to him. When I got cancer, my mom never told him. Because again, he wasn't in our life. So I didn't, like, it w- wasn't one of those things where, hey, I have cancer. Hey, make sure you tell dad. Like, he wasn't around. So why would I tell him that? And I guess he found out after I was done. You know, I was living, what in, what, I went to Houston. And then I lived in Indiana, just outside of Chicago. And then when I came back to LA, I think by that time he already knew. And then just recently, what, a year ago now? Maybe a year ago. My mom told my mom has been telling me for a couple months, maybe six months now, that, you know, my dad is dying and because he has some liver problems, because he drank apparently all the fucking time. So she's told me before and I've just kind of thought, like, I don't give a shit. Like I don't again, I don't know the guy. So I can't have I can't feel attached to somebody who never was there for me. And it's not and I don't feel one of those things where, well, you were never there for me, so I'm not gonna be there for you. It's just, you were never there to create a relationship with me. So it's hard for me to care, like I said before, for a stranger that I don't know. I mean, I'm supposed to know he's my biological father, but I've never had that relationship with him. So then I finally agreed to meet him or to see him. And he was really excited. I think, I think what happened is I told, I finally broke down and I told my mom, yeah, fine, fuck it. He can come over to your house and, you know, I can meet him there and we can talk, right? So me and Ali show up, he shows up and he actually showed up when my mom wasn't there, which I wasn't a fan of. Like he, I opened the door and he goes, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. And I was like, what? And then apparently my mom didn't tell him that I was going to be there. Like she was trying to surprise him and. I told my mom that that's not how you surprise somebody. Like I wasn't, I, it wasn't like I was gushing over trying to see him, you know? So we sit down and we talk and, you know, he starts crying and I just tell him, Hey man, listen, I don't need you crying and shit. And I wasn't trying to be a dick, but I just told him, look, man, I don't know how it was. I don't know how it is to be... 18, 19, and be told, hey, you're going to have a kid, right? I don't know the mentality he was in when he was that age. I don't fully know the situation he was in. And I know people's, it's not always that cut and dry, is what I'm trying to say. So I told him, I can kind of understand why he left, but that doesn't excuse him from leaving. And then I told him, I don't feel like I need a relationship with you but I'm open to have one with you now. So I gave him my number and he'll randomly text me now, which is really weird. Sometimes I'll read the text. It's like innocent shit. He'll say, hey, mijo, I haven't talked to you in a while. And it's really, we don't talk on the phone. It's just a text. But he'll say, hey, I hope you're doing okay. I love you. Hope you're safe, right? And usually my response back is, yeah, I'm good. I hope you're doing good too. Talk to you later. I don't tell him I love him because I don't love him. And I don't think, I don't know if I can ever be in a place to love him. And the reason why I'm bringing this whole story up to you guys is because, like I said before, in the interview with Kevin Garcia that I have, he was talking about his dad. And then tonight, my dad sent me a text and I read it. And it was the same thing. Like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope you're doing okay. I love you. I hope you're safe. Then I told Allie, I said, well, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it bugs me that he does it. 
Because to me, it makes it seem like he's just glossing over the fact that he left and that he's been gone. And now he just wants to, it seems like he just wants to be my fucking friend now. And it's like, no, man, that's not how you do shit. And then Allie asked me a really good question. And she goes, well, what can he do to make you not feel that way? And I went, fuck, that's a good question. I don't know. Because we already sat down and had a conversation and he apologized. I mean, is there more that I want from him? I don't think I want more from him. You know, he's doing his part. He'll reach out and he'll text me. But I just don't, I don't have that feel or want to talk to him. My sister talks. I think my sister talked to him. I know well before all this, my, my sister had been talking to him. I don't think she's 100% cool with like, oh yeah, he's my dad. But she definitely started talking to him before I did. And my brother Greg does not want anything to fucking do with him. Which I, I mean, you know, I don't blame him. I was there. Yeah. So that's a little story I wanted to share with you guys. I know I got really heavy in the front end of this podcast, but it'll get a little lighter. Don't worry about it. And also, thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate that. All right, switching gears, guys. My guest for today's episode is Kevin Garcia. He's a defender who's currently playing for FC Tulsa. I met him when he was playing with my friend AJ De La Garza with the Houston Dynamo. FYI, Kevin was very busy today when I was talking to him, but he did take time out of his busy schedule to talk to me. So if he cuts out a couple times, I apologize. Like I said, Kevin was busy and he was kind enough to jump on the phone and do the interview. So Kevin, again, I really appreciate you doing that. And I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Hey everybody, welcome back. I have Kevin Garcia with me. Hey man, thanks for joining me on the pod. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, how did how did we meet? Do we you remember met. I, yeah, of course I do. It was uh, after the LA Galaxy win, right away. Yeah, that was uh, 2018. That was the last game of the season, and uh, we met through AJ De La Garza, and um, you know we were all going out to celebrate after. Uh, pulling off the upset against Galaxy in their stadium. You know, they needed to win that game to clinch a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, we snatched that away from them in the, in the second half. So yeah. it, was a, it was a pretty cool uh, trip, and it was cool to kind of experience L.A. on that high. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I was in the stands, and when you guys went down 2-0 at half, I was sitting next to, um, I think it was one of the Galaxy – scout or one of their coaches you know he starts saying you know oh yeah you know the galaxy have this in the bag you know he's kind of talking some shit yeah. i'm like yeah 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 whatever whatever and then the first <laughs> you know you guys score the first one coming out yeah. of the second half and then you guys score the second one and i was like oh shit and yeah, then just- f- from there it was just i mean at, me as a fan as a friend i was just dude i was going crazy i was like hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it changed it changed pretty quickly because the first half i know that we were down 2-0 but we were getting some chances too like you had Maudel, Rommel, and uh, albert up top and yeah. they were creating some pretty some pretty good chances so like all we yeah, needed to looked, do was just get one back they looked pretty dangerous and that's what i told i took a couple friends with me and i told them i said they just need one so yeah. they just need one to to get them rolling and then sure enough i mean you guys you, you guys did a great job yeah, that second half, I mean, we, we responded well. Um, you know, we, we started pushing forward more, and I think Galaxy, they did get a little complacent in the second half. 
yeah. I think they also thought, okay, two zero at half. They got a, they got a little bit comfortable, and that's when uh, was it was it the PK was it uh, AJ's PK that brought us back? Or was it the second goal? I think AJ's was the first goal, right? No, I think the first goal was Elise on a break. Was it so the first one, I remember Ramel scoring one. He was like dribbling against the right back of LA. He like cut it three times in the box, and then he. Oh fired yes, it. yes. That's right. Yeah. So, so that was the first one, and then the second one, it was a a whipped in ball, I think, from Lundqvist, and AJ is all up in the box too. How about that? Like an outside back serving the ball to another outside back. AJ gets up there. And he like he pokes his head in and gets there before Alessandro was it? Yeah, Alessandrini. Yes. Was it Alessandrini? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he kicked he, him like, straight in the straight in the chest. <laughs> he did. And then AJ just falls down and we get that PK and it's two two. And then um, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, they're panicking a little bit. So they 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 start that kickoff. Um Romney hits that long ball. And that's when Zlatan and I were going at it on that breakaway, which we later found out was a, an offside. Yeah. And he, uh, he, his head like knocked me right in the square in the eye. Ooh. And uh, that's when I had to get taken out of that game. I don't know if you remember that, but I, it wasn't a concussion. It was just like a pretty bad hit. Um, and I was, I was, I had a pretty bad gash right below my eyebrow. And um, Adam comes over to me and he's like, dude, just don't move. Just stay down. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? He's like, you're bleeding all over the place. Just stay down. And I'm like, oh crap. All right. And then um, you know, I'm there for a minute and uh the trainer comes on, he's trying to stop the bleeding. You know, I can hear him radioing back saying he's trying to stop the bleeding. And then he's like, No, no, we're gonna need a change. Uh I can't stop the bleeding, it's just seeping through the bandage and Damn, uh, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to put this cream on and it's just bleeding right through it. And and I was kind of pissed. Because I told him I wanted to stay out there. I want to finish yeah, this game. Yeah, of course. Because you know this is this is what you live for. This is what you play for. Yeah. Um, and it's like 13 minutes left in the game. It's 13 minutes left in the game, and um, and uh, yeah, and I have to. I got to exit the game, unfortunately, due to injury. Sorry about yeah. that, man. <laughs> no, it's okay. My little girl here, she's. I know, I know you have responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to multitask right now. So yeah, and then you get you get taken out of the game, and uh, it's just such a buzzkill because you're on that high. It's two two. It's away, um, and you want to and you want to see this game out. But uh, sorry about that one second. That's okay. How old is she now? She is uh, three and a half weeks. Oh wow. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought she was under a month. Yeah. Dude, she's, she's adorable, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, man. She just took my heart the second I saw her. Dude, I can only uh, imagine. And the pictures you guys have posted so far, dude. Yeah. Adorable. Know it's uh, it's my wife, man. She just gets all these great shots of her, and she's yeah. always getting her with like these really cute outfits and facial expressions. Yeah. It's honestly yeah. just like it's like entertainment for us, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be like responsible adults, and we're all like snapping photos of our little shots. <laughs> It's, it's, it's yeah, been of awesome, course. though. It's been awesome. Like it, the feeling you get with uh, when when I mean the feeling I got when she came out was just like I want to protect this thing with my life, right? Yeah. It's just it just came at me out of nowhere. Like you would do anything for this child, and um, you're gonna protect her and love her, and it's just a special kind of bond that you never you never knew until um, until that moment. 
And so it's, it's, it's a new feeling, but you know, I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, dude, so, I can only imagine. I don't, I don't have any kids myself, but that's something yeah. that I hear. Like, you know, I've heard my brother say it, you know, AJ, you know, my buddy yeah. Jonah, just all my other friends that have kids, they just say, it's a feeling that, you know, you, you don't know until you have a kid. Yeah. Until you experience and I, that. And I never understood it. I never understood it. I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, you have another kid, part of your family. You guys are, you know, love each other, but it really is something that just like takes over. Yeah. It takes over and like your, your parental instincts just kick in. Well, congratulations um, right. to you and your wife, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. It looks like I calmed down a little bit. Okay. You know what it was? I have this like hush machine that sounds like the, uh, the ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So mad when you take it away from her. Oh, <laughs> dude, she gets so pissed because it's like it's uh, it's soothing because it's like the sound of the womb when she yeah. was in the womb. So it's like her being back at home. Yeah. And when you yeah. take it away, it, when, you, when you take it away, and it's just like people talking or, or silence, she gets so uneasy. So this is uh, this is good. Okay, you can continue. So so yeah. So then I get pulled out of the game. Lael comes in, and I'm like, all right, I'm I'm I'm, I'm leaving the game. Lael's gonna come in, and we're gonna. We're going to lock this game off because we needed at least a tie so that they wouldn't go in so that they wouldn't go through. Yeah. Um, Cause you guys, wanted... you guys weren't in the playoffs or you guys weren't going into the playoffs. That's no, season. no, we were just playing for pride at that point. And I think uh, to me, my, my assumption, the way I saw it was, you know, not only did they, they not only did they get complacent in the game, but I feel yeah. that they got complacent with you guys knowing like, Oh, they're not a playoff threat. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, that's what it was, is that you go 2-0 up at half against a team that's not qualified to the playoffs, and, you know, Galaxy has that kind of swag, that arrogance about them, and, and you come out flat-footed like that against our attacking three, you could get punched in the in the mouth if, oh, if, yeah. uh, if you're not careful, you know? So, uh, I mean, that's what happened that year against when we played Atlanta United the first game. We went up 4-0 in the first half. So they knew uh, how dangerous our attacking players are and, uh, and yeah, it was just, uh, it was like the perfect combination because they came out complacent and we came out ready to pounce because we got torn a new one in the locker room. And, um, you know, a lot of us were playing for contracts because, um, you know, we're, we're going into the off season. That's the last game of the year. You want to leave yeah. management with a good impression. You want to leave the fans with something they're proud of, uh, last game of the year. And you want to also, uh, get the elephant, um, get the monkey off of your back because you have, a uh, a, back, a bad streak on the road so you want to end it on a good note and make sure that people when people think of the Dynamo at the end of the last game of the year like they showed up and they're ready um, and you, you'll get excited to see them play for the next time so yeah of course uh, you know we all rallied around that and that first one um, and it was a packed stadium it was a good atmosphere I mean it was good grass so we were, we were just excited to, to get back out there in the second half and to, to really make it competitive and we got them back one two and then um, they started Mounting on the pressure, I think, because they knew they needed to win. So they started um, committing numbers up. And that's dangerous against us because we leave our, like, Albert and Rommel a little bit higher than most wingers. Mm-hmm. So that in transition, they just go. Right. And so, guys, yeah, and they're, and they're think, fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really fast. Um, and so when you leave them one on one in the back, when you have, just three defenders marking Maudel, Albert, and Rommel, that's that's going to play into our hands every single time because yeah. all, all it takes is for Rommel and Albert to spring loose and they're going to 
uh, take it down the line and have Maddo finish it. And that's what happened. That's how we we uh, capped off the game. Uh, Albert got the ball, drilled down the line, played it down to the to Maddo for a tap in, and boom, three two. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, that was crazy. That was uh, yeah, that was an awesome game. That was an awesome uh, end to the year. Um, you know, with a lot of the injuries and a lot of the adversity, a lot of uh, the team was going through, especially uh, also adding that to uh, the U.S. Open Cup win that we had uh, for the championship, that, like earlier that month in September. So it was a cool, it was a, it was a good way to end the year, um, and it was a uh, it was a good night in L.A. So it was uh, definitely the way it you really was. It. it really was, yeah. <laughs> and it's always nice for me as a fan. And as a friend of AJ's, it's always yeah. nice to see him beating his old team. Oh, for sure. You know, because that's that's one of my concerns. Anytime you guys would play, the, you know, L.A., yeah. I just thought to myself, you know, if, if you guys are going to win any game, any game, yeah. please at yeah. least be this one. Yeah. And, he was and then, you know, it just, it, just, it just worked out. Yeah. And AJ was fired up, too. Like you could tell. That was a bit of a vengeance game for him too. So he was fired up, and he had uh, just come back from an ACL, the ACL injury. He was getting fit again, and that was the last game of the year. And then AJ played a good game. I remember that. Yeah, he did well. So it was good to see him show up in front of uh, his old team. How was it? How was it playing against or trying to defend Zlatan? It was a physical battle, man. He's Dude, a big the first lead, time, like, the first time yeah. I saw the guy. You know, I looked up and I was like, "Fuck, man, this guy is enormous." He is, and he's and he's uh, he gets his legs up pretty high. Like he's flexible, and I think he's like he's taking jujitsu or he does some kind of martial arts. Yeah, but he can get his leg up pretty quick, uh, pretty high up. So like when 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 he has his body around the ball, like he can reach really far. He has big reach. He can hold you off. He's six foot five, six foot six, weighs like two ten, two fifteen. So he's a big dude. And uh, you always knew, you always know of his size, but it's it's not anything like you can prepare for until you see him up close in person. Yeah. And so when you're like standing next to him, um, like obviously like when you're in the game um, and you're in the moment, you don't think about that stuff. You just think that you need to be aggressive here. Yeah. Um, but like before the game and like um, seeing him line up at, at, the, at the start of the game, like you realize, all right, this guy's probably bigger than I thought. You're gonna to have to be extra careful and, and pay more attention to him um, because of how dangerous he is and because of how um, physical his presence is on the on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think that we we overfocused on Zlatan. Um, like Alejandro and I were really focused on Zlatan, and Ola Kamara was able to uh, take advantage. And um, you know, he scored two goals in that first half, and. Um, we were just making sure that we were able to cover each other on Zlatan and Olar, I think, scored a, like a, a whipped in ball on a on a cross after a free kick that was uh, a corner kick that was uh, that was this that was uh, cleared out. And then the mm-hmm. second goal was uh, Ashley Cole whipped in a goal behind the line in front of the keeper. Yeah, one second. What stood out to you in that game? Um, was it like the like the response in the second half, or was it like the first half? Galaxy seemed to outplay us, or like what well, was uh what was your feeling about it? Well, the way I saw it, well one one of my fears was you know the on the in the first half when you guys did go down, yeah. you know obviously I felt you guys got outplayed, 
But then yeah. I started thinking, fuck, are they going to lose another one on the road? I was like, yeah. son of a bitch. That, that, that was a sinking feeling that I felt watching yeah. it. Yeah. And then, you know, but like every time you guys would, every time you guys would go down in a game, I just always thought, you know, I always had that like positive thinking like, okay, they're going to come back. They're going to score like seven goals. Like I would have these like unrealistic, you know, yeah, just dreams. Right. Yeah. Just, and then shoot out <laughs> even the times, even the times, like if you guys went down like three zero, I was like, no, fuck that. They're going to come back. They're going to score four. And there's only five minutes left. Oh, this is going to be great. And then, you know, would it, it wouldn't work out that way. Right. Yeah. But this time, yeah. you know, I thought at least I thought, okay, at least they're going to score at least one. Let's see where that goes. Like you were saying, like the second half, man, you guys came out with a fire and I was like, oh shit. And yeah. then it just that, you know, that, that third goal just, just sealed it. And you know, not to be a dick, but like to see everybody around watch you guys yeah. score that third one and just see their faces drop and like, oh shit. That was yeah. that was just even better. I was like, oh man, if you guys could see this right now, oh so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember thinking that that was probably one of the better like probably one of the best feelings I had playing with the Dynamo in that game. A little bit about you. Where where did you grow up? I grew up in Queens, New York. Oh wow! I, okay. Uh, yeah, I played. I played for a number of different clubs. I uh, I don't know how well you know New York New York clubs, but I played. Started off in Little Neck Rangers, uh, like bordering Long Island and Queens. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Arbindale Supersonics in Queens, spent some time there. And then I went to Albertson, uh, Par Riley Soccer Academy. Um, from there, I uh, was playing ODP with the state team and uh, then moved to Gachi, where I met Wilmer Cabrera for the first time. He oh, was wow. My, he was actually my ODP coach around 14 years old. No um, way. Yeah, that's when I met him and Carlos Ledesma. And uh-huh. it's, it's funny It's funny when I tell this story because my parents knew who he was and I had no idea who he was. <laughs> my parents were uh, like, well, Colombians in the 90s because it was a big time for Colombian soccer. And uh, they were qualifying for the World Cup and they were doing really well in the qualifiers and they were ranked like as high as like number four in the world at one point yeah um so they were there was a lot of uh there was a lot of um positivity around that and um a lot of proud colombians so my parents when they first went to like my first training in flushing middle park and wilmer was there they were like your coach is wilmer cabrera and i was like yeah it's wilmer uh and like and you had and you had he, no idea he, no i had no idea he's like he played for the colombian national team like he was a. Uh, he was a uh, he was a winger. He was a wing back. He used to score goals. And my dad was like, "I remember the goal he scored where we beat uh, Uruguay one zero. It was like he made a run. He made a run from the the right wing back position, and he was a uh, it was a goal towards the end of the game. And he just got his head off off the end of a cross, and they ended up winning that game. Oh wow! And and, uh, and they were uh, they were more excited. Um, um, than I was because I had no idea who it was. And then the assistant coach was Carlos Ledesma, 
um, who was an Argentinian coach at the time, who played uh, for Metro Stars back in the day. Uh, but that's anyway, that's how I first met Wilmer. And he uh, and he uh, he stayed in New York for a while. He was the ODP coach. We had a really good year that year in ODP. And then practically all the players from ODP, like we were all trying to get to play on the same club team. We were trying to create the super team. Uh-huh. And uh, we all went to Gachi because that's where a lot of the players already were. And so we all went to Gachi and Wilmer actually ended up taking uh, control of the Gachi team of our age group. And uh, we we did really well for the next couple of years, um, you know, brought some recognition to the team and to the club and to Wilmer as well. Like Wilmer, Wilmer uh, did a good job coaching us. We went to regionals. We went undefeated in like our region one premier league. And uh um, so you guys were pretty damn good. Yeah. No, we, I mean we had like regional team players, national team players, like it, it wasn't fair. Like if there were rules, like yeah. like uh <laughs> if, they, if there were rules at youth soccer, I'm pretty sure we were violating every single one of them because <laughs> or if there was like a cap space, there's no way they would have allowed um all the players in the state team to go to one team because yeah, um yeah, like we were just dominating teams in our in our group, damn. in our area. Okay. Um, but then Wilmer, yeah, he got picked up by the, the U-17 national team. And uh, he, he took off and he went to, uh, to, to Bradenton. And he was there for a good amount of time. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much like my foundation right there. Growing up in Queens, playing with a lot of kids, uh, players from a lot of different backgrounds. It's a you know, very culturally diverse uh, city. Um, so you grow up in that uh, competitive environment and uh, and you have, uh, you know, Wilmer as your coach and you just kind of have, uh, you know, a really good foundation set for you. And, um, you know, it was just a great, it was just a great way to, to kind of grow my, my love for the game and to uh, continue to grow as a player. And that uh, led me to, to Villanova University um, where I, uh, I uh, played my four years ball at. So, um, did you know, did you know before you went to, before you wanted to go to college, did you know like, oh, I want to go to Villanova? Or was it something that as you played it, you just kind of wound up there? So with like having all those kids, uh, like really talented kids on my team, we, all we wanted to do was eat, sleep, play soccer. That's yeah. all we wanted to do. Um, so everyone, if we had the chance to go pro at 18, we wanted to do it. And I think that you have these goals in mind, but you know, they're not entirely realistic until like your parents sit you, your parents sit you down and you tell them all like, you have to get an education. Yeah. Um, you need to have a backup plan. Let's be realistic, realistic here. Um, one injury or a couple injuries and, um, you know, you're not going to have a backup plan. So. Um, going into like 16, 17 years old, um, I had no idea what school I wanted to go to. I had no idea what I wanted to major in. All I knew is I wanted to play soccer, which is, um, I could say pretty much for everyone who who was on the team with us. Um, and it kind of, I'd never even considered Villanova until the fall semester that year of my high school senior year. Oh, wow. Um, So yeah, it was pretty late. And uh, I was being, like, recruited by like, Boston College, uh, NC State, 
Santa Clara, which I really wanted to go to. I wanted to go to Santa Clara, but my parents wanted me much closer to home. Yeah. And um, wow, those are some really strong, tr- really strong soccer uh, colleges. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, all, like they were. So we were we were going to these uh, to these like uh, competitive tournaments, and they would there would be a lot of scouts at our games. Like we had Yannick Salmon uh, at our game. He's part of the U17 national pool. He, he ended up going to Maryland. We had Matt Uwe, who was part of the residency program, went to UConn, then he went to Fairfield. Um, so we had we had some good players on our team who were just attracting uh, scouts, college yeah. scouts. And so like scouts would come watch us play, and they would be come impressed with like all the other players that they came to watch, and uh, and and the other teammates that we had. So. Um, we had a pretty good thing going with how exposed we were to the, the college scouts. And, um, you know, for me, I think it became um, where I was going to feel comfortable, where I was going to feel like a sense of family again, um, because that's a big part of uh, my upbringing and my family and my culture because of my Colombian roots. Yeah. My parents were born and raised in Colombia. And I, uh, I wanted to have that same atmosphere that same environment that same support structure wherever i went to school and it wasn't until and i and i waited a long time to to commit just because i i couldn't decide on where i wanted to go and then finally after a region uh, a regional tournament uh with the region one team we played in florida villanova ian clarihue was there the assistant coach of villanova he was scouting me and he really liked my game and how i was playing so he uh he reached out to uh, my family after after that tournament, and it was it was funny because that morning I had decided that I was gonna stay close to home because my uh-huh. my dad had convinced me because uh, Hofstra, Delphi, some local schools were giving me um, a full scholarship, and I had I had already uh, talked to my parents about it, and my dad had kind of convinced me like stay here, like we'll get you a car. You'll be close to home and then, you know, just tear it up at Hofstra for a year or two. And then you can transfer to a school that you really want to go to. Um, and so I was like, OK, uh, I'll, uh, I'll try that out. Um, and that morning, it was actually Ian reaching out to kind of like the club representative of Gachi. Mm-hmm. And he texted me while I was in school like, hey, did you send in your letter of intent yet? And I was like, no, my mom's going to send it in after school. And, oh, so, uh, you, so you were at school? Yeah, and I okay. signed it. I signed it, and I, we, st- we stamped it. We already had uh, it all packed up and ready to be mailed out, but she was going to drop it off after she got off work. Oh, okay. And so, and so my mom is a, is a, a Spanish uh, high school teacher, so she was, uh, at three, after 3 o'clock, she was getting ready to drop it off. And I got the text, like, in the middle of the day, like, 1 o'clock, I shoot my mom a text, mom, hold the phone. Don't, don't text. I mean, don't send the, uh, don't send the letter of intent yet. Yeah. Uh, there's another school in the mix. There's another school in the mix. And I want to make sure that we go on an official visit before I make my decision. And she said she was, uh, she had the letter in her car and she was going to drop it off after school. And, um, and she didn't do it. And I ended up going on my official visit, like, within a few days. Yeah. So then I went on my official visit at Villanova. And uh, they were in their spring season. 
and I met Tom Carlin there, and he said all the right things. I felt uh, at home with the players there. They welcomed me right away. You know, they were excited. They were already like talking about next year and and getting me excited for the for playing next year. Yeah, I saw I saw the school. I love the school. Um, you know, it just reminded me a lot of home. And uh, how far is how far was Villanova from where you were living? Two hours and thirty minutes. So it was close okay. enough to home where like my parents could drive out to see my games, but it was far enough to where I could get the full college experience. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so and so that's what that was also a lot of the allure was um, being on my own and being independent. And, um, and I think my mom loved the idea that it's a Catholic school, um, you know, South America and Colombian families are uh, typically um, Catholic driven. And um, my mom was just already uh, over the moon about me going to a Catholic school and making sure that I, uh, I stayed in touch with my faith and um, was able to, to feel like Villanova was a piece of uh, the atmosphere and the environment that I grew up in and that my parents, it was, uh, I mean, it was a crazy, it was a crazy fall semester just because at one point I'm thinking that I was going to Santa Clara because that's school I really wanted to go to, to, okay, I'm finally committed to Hofstra because it seems like it's a sensible thing to do. And that was, and that was, uh, and that was a school that you had signed a letter of intent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I know. And the hardest part of that, was me calling uh, the head coach of Hofstra to tell him that I, I wasn't, because I had verbally committed. Yeah. And, and he, he was pulling for me for like two years. Oh, shit. He was, and, and when I told him, I, when I verbally committed and I told him um, I was going to go play for him, he let out like a scream in his house. No and way. I was like, man, this guy, oh, this guy is really God. excited. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this guy really wants me there. Like, this is what you want. You want to play. Uh, for a coach who really believes in you and like I was excited for that part I had to call him back and he was just like dead silent yeah when I called him back and I was like listen you know I, I, it's, it's nothing against your program it just felt like the right fit when I went on this official visit to Villanova you know I'm really sorry it didn't work out but you know I wanted just to let you know like I have nothing but respect for you it's just and um you know I, I wish something more best for you the next year and it's nuts because the first game of the year the next year was against Hofstra Nuh-uh. And we beat them, yeah, 1-0. Oh, wow. Yeah, we beat them 1-0. Uh, and that was, yeah, that was my first game as a, as a college as a college player. Did the, did the coach the, tell you anything after? Nothing that I would remember. I don't even okay. know if he shook my hand. I want to say he shook my hand, but I, it doesn't stand out to me. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so it wasn't like, but, you know, hey, man, you know, I understand. It was good. Like, yeah. it was nothing like that. No, I mean he was hard as nails. He was like this English coach, um, but he was he was a pretty hardcore coach. And I remember feeling a little bit uh, more upset about it because he ended up telling one of our mutual friends, a coach uh, from Albertson, like news that I had verbally committed. He was like, I, "I got the best defender in Queens to come to my school," and then that really um, that really took the wind out of my sails because it made me feel pretty bad about uh about what like the way it went down but you know at the end of the day you do have to look after yourself oh of course uh you know and it's uh it's a doggy dog business like the uh, whether it's college soccer professional soccer um you got to look after yourself because uh 
no one else is going to look after you. I was just going to say, if you don't, nobody else is going to. Yeah. So, so I, that was – yeah, go ahead. No, so after you – so after you play in Villanova, you yeah. go to Sweden, right? That's right. Well, how did you how uh, did you end up in Sweden? So Sweden, so I was uh, I was drafted by New England first after, after like throughout college uh, for that uh, supplemental draft, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to I went to the uh, sorry I went to the I was drafted by New England Revolution in the January of the fall semester of my last semester in college, and I reported to camp. We were in New England, and then we went to Casa Grande, Arizona, for about two weeks. But I never told the coaching staff at New England that I wanted to go back and finish my degree. I was going to tell oh, them okay. at like two, three weeks because I told my school, and they were accommodating, and they let me continue online for like a few weeks. But that wasn't going to be a long-term solution. Yeah. And at the end of Casa Grande, uh, I tell Jay Heaps that. Uh, I haven't finished uh, my degree and that I'd like to go back and finish it. And he was extremely supportive of that idea. He told me, well, he went to Duke, right? And he got his degree at Duke and um, he played a a lot of games for New England. And he also, you know, he's been called in to uh, represent the U.S. national team. So he's, uh, uh, if there was anyone to get, to take advice from, it would be him. And he told me that he supported uh, me going back to finish my degree, he said I needed to get it because if I don't go to get it now, then it just becomes a hassle of wanting to do it later on. Yeah. And I was so close. I was so close to finishing. I was like four months away. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go finish my degree. He said that he would uh, invite me back after I finished my degree and I graduated. Uh, but the only, the only catch would be that he would have his team already, his full roster mid-year. Yeah. And I would need to I would need to perform better than one of the players there. And I knew that was going to be an obstacle. But growing up uh, and, and in that and in that moment, you think you're just very positive in that moment and you have a positive outlook and you just believe that you're going to be able to accomplish anything. I mean, and that's a big thing about professional sports and professional athletes is that we think that we put our mind to anything and we're going to be able to accomplish it. Right. Yeah. And so and so with uh, with that, I, I took it on as a challenge. I said, yeah, bring it on. I'll uh, I'll take you up on that challenge. I'm going to do it. So I went back. I finished my degree. But to, to transition from playing like college spring soccer to MLS midseason, it was just a really big jump. Um, and it wasn't and I was fit. It's just uh, the speed of the game is, is just much faster. Yeah. And so you need to you, you kind of need those uh, that preseason in with you so that you can adjust with everybody else who's just been um, who's just come back from offseason. So you guys can so you can kind of adjust to the sharpness of the game as they're getting back into it and, and working the kinks out. And, um, and you know, coming in midseason, um, it was just a really good level. And uh, I wasn't able to impress enough to warrant a contract. Yeah. And so from there, you know. Jay Heap said that, and I'll never forget it, the conversation we had. He said that he was going back and forth about signing me. And then at the end of the day, he said he wasn't going to be able to do it, but that he does believe that I'm going to play in the MLS and that, um, and that if he needs uh, his, if I need his help for any recommendations or as a reference, that feel free to reach out. And, uh, and that was it. And uh, I think from there, 
I, uh, it was kind of like that first year out of college wasn't easy because, um, it was, it was a bit of a disappointment from, you know, being signed to a team and also, uh, dealing with injuries because I had spent my whole college career practically healthy. Um, the only, the only time I sat out was from a concussion that I had where I ruptured my eardrum in my senior year. It was like early on and, uh, I was out for about a week and, uh, and I was able to come back from that pretty quickly, thankfully. Um, um, but like I've had a relatively, uh, injury free career up until that point. And then after I I leave New England, I actually go to Poland and I, uh, I get oh, put wow. in touch. Yeah, I get put in touch with uh, this. He's not really a soccer agent, but he's a contact. He's a Polish contact who he takes like uh, uh, aspiring professionals overseas. He takes like this uh, this team of players of uh, that are graduated from school or are trying to go pro, and he has connections in Poland. So he has you scrimmage against uh, top tier teams and second tier teams and third team teams in Poland. And the team, we didn't get to play against any first-tier teams, but the second-tier team that we played was uh, LKS Woosh, L-O-D-S. You just okay. pronounce it Woosh. They were the team that we scrimmaged twice, and they were impressed with uh, myself and two other players. And we ended up signing a contract at the end of that trip with those, uh, with that team. And Oh, that worked out? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean... At the time, I thought, yes, this is uh, this is going to be my foot in the door. And from here yeah. on, you know, we're going to be able to climb up. And uh, I didn't know at all what was going on because this is like a very uh, obscure, not obscure town, but it's a blue collar town where they they speak Polish and not many people speak English. So even the coaches speaks only Polish and oh, are wow. represented. So there's a language, language barrier. Massively. And... Uh, and the guy is the one looking over our contract and he has to sign it. This like, we actually signed the contract. And then I never understood how the visa thing worked for Like, again, this is like the first time I'm ever even thinking about playing overseas. And I never understood how the visa or what the restrictions were for trying to play in Poland. Mm-hmm. And then the representative tells us that we need to go back to, uh, to the States and wait for our visa. And then we can go back to Poland. But oh wow, okay. The the visa process, I guess, took longer than expected, and we finally got cleared like uh, in December, and that team was already struggling financially. Oh and, shit! And then come January, the team actually folded, and they went. They dropped down to like fifth division in in Poland, and they need to like uh, rebrand. What? Themselves. Yeah, and so there we go. Like I'm starting from scratch again. And the guy wants to take us back to Poland, and I say, "Nah, I'm not. I'm not gonna waste another six months waiting for that to happen." Because yeah. I was, I was waiting the whole time. Like I spent, well, I had pulled my hamstring that fall, um, just you know, trying to stay sharp and trying to stay in shape. I pulled my hamstring, so I was nursing back that injury. Um, but you know, come Jan- uh, January came around, and I was ready to play, and um, I didn't have uh, that option in Poland anymore. So. I went, I went through some other routes, some other contacts that I had, and I got invited to uh, a trial in, uh, in Finland. And it was second tier Finland, but it was, one of the, uh, it was one of the more financially stable teams in Finland. Mm-hmm. And so I arrived there. It's like 18-hour trip. 
because it's like connecting flights in London and uh, Berlin. And, and so it's like an 18 hour trip. And uh, I arrived there. I, uh, they had me playing like a scrimmage on day two or day three where, uh, where I do pretty well. I scored a goal in that game. And uh, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I, I thought I was going to be signing there. And then on day four, I actually sprained my quad. Ooh. And that's uh, that's a trialist's worst nightmare is getting injured when you're on trial. Yeah, of course. Because um, if you I'm can't try to... out, there's exactly there's nothing and, you can and, do. And there's so many questions they still have to ask, right? Because it's not like I have like a professional pedigree. I'm a college player trying to break into the professional game. Yeah. And all they can go off of is like my college video and the scrimmage they just saw me in. And they're like, I still need to see you in like uh, a lot of game-like scenarios and the idea was for them to have me play in like three other games in like a two to three week span. Yeah. And I, I, I spent like another two weeks trying to nurse it back. I came back and then I, I re-injured it again. So, Ooh, you know, it was, yeah. it was a little, it was a little frustrating. Um, so I actually ended up going back home, um, getting myself right. And uh, that summer, so this was like a full year removed from school already. That summer, I actually uh, remember thinking like I was really frustrated just because of um, how things had gone for the, for the last year and the injuries coming up. I, I maybe thought it was a sign. I, I maybe thought that, uh, you know, maybe it was time for me to hang it up. Maybe, you know, I've, I've given it a year. Um, I had also been called in for a trial with the Cosmos to play like a, a 45 minutes in like a, an inner squad game. And, um, you know, my fitness probably wasn't as, uh, as, as, uh, as strong as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still thought I did a decent job, but, uh, you know, it wasn't good enough. And I, uh, I was pretty close. I think I was going to wait until the end of the summer and then I was probably gonna, um, maybe start to think about my college degree that I, I mean, I'd gotten a a degree in finance and so i thought that was my next was question gonna, what was what was yeah. your degree in so i was thinking about uh you know taking another route and uh i ended up getting a call from uh, my old teammate from rough riders alex grendy who actually played for columbus crew and he played for uh upenn so i already knew him pretty well he was working with uh psc and uh, ax tours which is like the soccer uh travel company where they showcase players and they bring scouts in and it's pretty good exposure. And so he, he hit me up saying, Hey, we're coming to uh, New York. Um, can you bring some guys from Rough Riders and um, bring them to the combine? You guys are, um, I know you, so you guys won't have to pay anything. It's just like for you guys to um, get some more exposure and to, you know, bring the level up a little yeah. bit. Cause I don't know what kind of players are going to show up. So I said, yeah, all right. And then we get word that, Cosmos are going to be there. The assistant coach from Cosmos at the time. Oh, no, it was like the third assistant, no, second assistant coach and uh, some scouts from Sweden. And so uh, the first, we went the first day. It was the first day because I think we had a game the next day. So I went okay. the first day and uh, I played center back and I, I played really well. And uh, like the, the scouts from the two different Swedish teams were impressed and also the second assistant from Cosmos was impressed and he didn't know that, uh, that I was already, uh, I, I had already like been there for that one-off inner squad game with, uh, in the Cosmos already. Uh-huh. So he hits up, he hits up uh, the head coach of Cosmos, Gio. And he says, Hey, 
you know, Kevin Garcia is uh, – I want to bring him in. He's he's doing really well at center back. And Gio, like, I, I kind of knew Gio growing up because he coached my brother. And so, you know, Gio already knew what he wanted to, um, for his team. And uh, and so he, he said he already taken a look at me. So then Cosmos already had closed that door on me. But then the Swedish scouts, they wanted to bring me over to Sweden um, for a trial in front of the head coach. And they said they would reimburse for all the expenses as soon as uh, I would be signed to the team. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so that was, that was really encouraging to hear from them. Um, always wanted to uh, live in another part of the world and also play and, and, and develop and, um, you know, be independent. So I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to learn a different kind of game, a more tactical game, um, slower, more methodical buildup wasn't as frantic or as physical as uh, the college game. So for me, it was good to, to get over there. I arrived to Lulia, which is uh, Northern Sweden actually. And I was there for about three, four days on a trial and they needed to sign me before the window closed. And so they signed me quickly and I was able to, you know, start my professional career. I ended up playing 10 games that fall. Um, uh, started I started every one of the last 10 games that fall and uh, and did really well like I felt really comfortable yeah. I, uh, I felt fit I felt like I was having fun like all that love and enjoyment I had for the game that had kind of gone away with that year of, of, of going through adversity all came back and I remembered how much I loved the game and um, I also don't want to forget um, like all the people who also encouraged me and um, motivating me throughout that process because I had my parents uh, my mom has always been my biggest fan and she was always telling me like I want you to to play professionally because I know you can do it obviously like everyone's mom is the biggest fan my mom really told me to stick with it uh, my best friend from Gachi from growing up in, in in Queens were all telling me to to, to keep to keep doing it like it was it would have been really disheartening for me to uh, to hang up the boots or like to quit yeah. So I think uh, I owe a lot of it to like my support community and, and also my, my close friends and family who, who just uh, kept on encouraging me throughout that first year. And, um, and yeah, I ended up playing in Sweden for about a year and a half uh, for Lulia did really well there. Um, got up some adversity with some injuries there. Um, and then from there, I ended up playing in Ireland uh, for Galway, which was a much more physical, much more erratic, much more uh, direct type of game. And uh, and it was I think it was cool to learn the different styles of game, because in Sweden, you had the type of football we were playing was uh, short passes, um, slower build up, very tactical game, very smart uh, okay. style of play. And uh, even though it was slower, it was very precise football. And um and then uh, to go from that and to go to Ireland, where it was very physical, it was, uh, you know, very harsh conditions for in terms of weather. It would be hailing, raining. It would be pretty Damn. cold. Okay. Um, like, just think of like a rainy night in Stoke. That was like 70, 80 percent of the time when I was in Ireland. Jeez, the, man. The summertime, the summertime is pretty nice. Like, it's, it's nice for like three weeks, I want to say. Yeah. But, but like in the in the in the springtime like when you're transitioning from the winter months to the spring it's like pretty brutal and then even in the summer it'll 
it'll just drop uh, unexpectedly. So um, it was it was cool to, to 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 be exposed to all the different styles of the game, and I think that helped me prepare for the MLS because in the MLS you have so many different styles of play within each team. Yeah. And you could have a very direct style of play one game and then a very technical style of play when you're talking about um, uh, maybe it's LAFC or Seattle. So it really depends on who you play and, and how they approach the game. And, um, and I think playing in Sweden and Ireland really prepared me for the MLS and helped me uh, become a more balanced player. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed the route I took. And I think it was uh, essential for me to continue my growth as a player and to uh, scale up and, and, and play in MLS. And how long were you in Ireland for? I was there. Um, I arrived in February and I left uh, around August. Oh, okay. So I was there. And then I finished off in Sweden of that year. I, sw- I went back to Sweden. I finished off in Sweden that year. And then from there, that was when I wanted to maybe come back closer to my family. Um, so the two options I had actually were uh, RGV or, well, before RGV, it was more a team in Colombia, Pereira, who was in the second tier in Colombia. Uh-huh. And it's funny, it's funny how it all worked out because I actually ended up texting Wilmer because I already knew him from uh, having him as a coach in my earlier years. I texted him. I text. I texted him because he knew the Colombian league very well, and he knew Pereira very well. It's a uh, you know very historic club, um, a lot of championships, and got a pretty sweet stadium. And um, he's played there a lot of times. And so I wanted to ask him how the Colombian league was and whether he recommended I could or I should uh, see that opportunity out. Mm-hmm. And he said Colombia is a very good, like there's very good level of play there. The only issue is they pay you just like they don't pay you, meaning that the, oh, wow. the, the security, the, like the job security, the money security is a little unstable. Um, you do have clubs that maybe will delay payments or maybe will go some months without paying. So if you really want to um, receive your payment on a certain date of every month, just make sure that in Colombia like, you don't have that expectation because – um, it might happen. It might not. Damn. And coming coming from Sweden, where we were paid on the same date every single month, you could always expect the payment to come on the same day every single month. Um, uh, it was a little disconcerting for me to hear that. And that's when of he course. said, right? And that's when he said to me, uh, Kevin, I have an idea. Why don't you uh, Why don't you consider coming to RGV? I'm having this. Uh, this little open tryout, but it's just to see you and see how you are physically. I mean, I haven't seen you play in a long time, but I'd sent them some of my highlights. He's like, if you know, the highlights are any indication, you know, you've, uh, you've, uh, you've grown pretty, pretty well as a player. And, and I'd like to see you in person. And I said, yeah, sure. And so they because, flew me out there because he was a coach at RGV, right? Yeah. So that was the first okay. year, right? That was in 2016. And I was texting him throughout that off season because I wanted him his opinion on Columbia. And I didn't even know he was going to RGV. And he told me he was going to RGV. And I said, oh, well, congratulations. I still don't even put myself in the picture. Like, maybe I should uh, see that out. But he's the one that actually said to me, Kevin, I'm putting together a team. Um, it's a second team for the Dynamo. And there's going to be a direct path to MLS if you want it. If 
because we're going to be working with the Dynamo pretty closely and uh, we'll be sending players up. They'll be sending players down. So we're going to have a very strong relationship. And, um, you know, I think it'd be a good opportunity for you. And so I, I went to the, I went to RGV for that week, for that weekend that he was having uh, like an open trial. Mm-hmm. And they, Matt Jordan was there, who was the GM of the Dynamo at the time. Nick Koba was there, who was the assistant GM. And Wilmer Cabrera was there. And so we, uh, um, I didn't really speak to Wilmer that, that weekend because it was just all really professionally run. And, and I didn't speak to him. It was just like me at the hotel, getting picked up, going to play, leaving, and then going back to the hotel. But after the whole weekend, he was like, uh, so what did you think? Do you think that you would want to be here for, uh, uh, you know, to get a closer step into the MLS? I said, yeah, I think it'd be a good opportunity. And then that's when, uh, you know, I inked the deal right after, like a week after uh, or a couple weeks after uh, that, that tryout. And, oh, that's really uh, cool. Yeah. And so I was excited. I mean, I was excited uh, because it was, a, it was a new adventure. I was going to be closer to, to home somewhat. I mean, it was going to be like a four-hour flight from New York. And yeah, but at least you're in the same, the same country now. Exactly. And you're you're think, you're only one time zone away instead of you know a couple. <laughs> exactly, and I think that um, my my dad and my mom, um, you know, I'm I'm very close with them, and I think with my dad, he had uh, recovered from he was recovering from prostate cancer, 2013. Oh shit! No way. At 2012, yeah, and so that that hit him pretty pretty hard, just because you know you hear the word cancer and it just. It's very frightening. I wanted to be If you closer. don't mind me asking, what, what yeah. stage was he? he? I think they caught him early on. They caught him early on. And so they went in um, and they did microscop- microscopic surgery with, okay. the, with the robot in yeah. uh, Sloan Kettering in New York City. And um, I want to say that was either end of 2012 or early 2013. Oh, and, so, and so it was early on. Um, and I... I remember, I remember going away and, and kind of feeling a little bit hesitant to go away, just knowing that my dad had just gone through that yeah, and course. he was still, and he was still battling the recovery. So, you know, spending three years abroad, you know, opened the eyes, opened my eyes and wanting to be closer to my family and making sure that they could, you know, watch my games on TV and even fly out to see me if they wanted to one weekend. Yeah. Um, whereas Sweden, you can only really fly out like once a year like yeah, really because yeah. it's like a nine to nine ten hour flight and you know my dad was working and so it was going to be hard for them to 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 come more than that um, did your dad so, have to do uh radiation and chemo no so we we skipped out on that he refused to do that he didn't want to do that just because of um he didn't want to have the the symptoms of the mood swings and have to you know yeah. i mean it's really painful to go through to chemo and I think that so my real dad quick, around yeah, around that time, around that time, yeah. what 2013, I think. Yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah. I uh, I had cancer in my shoulder, and oh, I had wow. to do I had to do the chemo and radiation. The radiation was the easiest part. Yeah. I mean, it fucks up your skin. Yeah. But the chemo, fuck, man. Wow. What stage were you? Is, uh, I was only stage one. Okay. But it how was. Long, how long was the treatment? uh what 10 months what i had to do i had to go every three weeks to get my my chemotherapy yeah because i would go in and the first the first day i felt fine 
Yeah. And then the second day, it felt like a truck hit me. And then that would last for about two weeks where I just felt like shit. Like your whole body? Yeah, dude. It felt like Uh, felt like I got hit by a truck. I fought a gang of, I don't know, five guys. And then I ran maybe a marathon. And then now I'm laying down like, okay, rest now. (laughs) It sucked. And then it wasn't until maybe four, sometimes five days before the next round where I started feeling somewhat better. Yeah. And then about two days before, I started feeling like shit again because I knew what was coming. So it wasn't necessarily the effect of the chemo. It was just my mental state of, oh, fuck, now I have to go back and do this all again. Great. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's tough. That's tough. I'm glad you're able to pull through that, man. But your dad, your dad, your dad's good now? Yeah. Yeah, he's good now. He's good now. Okay, good, good. yeah, he's he's much better now. But I think that it made me, it made me appreciate more um, having my parents around. Yeah. And you know, my dad is is really loves soccer, um, and he's he's always you know tuning into my games. And I think I really wanted oh, that's cool um, to be to be closer to him, and to be able to see them more because it, it just living like seeing each other through FaceTime just wasn't cutting it. And it's just in in our in our culture and itself, like we're very affectionate people. And uh, it was, it was Same, just dude, I'm, Cuban, I'm half Cuban, half Mexican. We're very affectionate. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, seeing your family or just talking to them through on the phone isn't the same as seeing them in person. Having, yeah, just giving them a hug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like talking, having an asado, um, Oof, just hanging yes. out, watching a game. Like mom is cooking up a storm in the kitchen. And it's just it just uh, it just brings back childhood memories. And I I was missing a lot of that. And I was just thinking like. You know, if I'm really going to regret, um, you know, these last few years, if, if anything does happen, right, I, I don't want to look back and say, I mean, I wish I would have spent more time with my, with my family. Yeah, um, so I think that that was a big that was a big uh, factor in wanting to come back. And, uh, you know, and it was and it was the right move because I was able to go to RGV, um, did well. I was named captain for the RGV squad the inaugural year in 2016. And we had a good little team. We had uh, we had some players. We had Memo on that squad who was with the Dynamo. We had uh, tr- like uh, George Malky, Charlie Ward, Eric Bird, uh, Christian Lucatero. I mean, we had oh, you played players. with Bird there too. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's wow. where we all met. Okay. That's where we all met. And uh, like we had a good little squad, and we were all humble and, and willing to put in the work. Uh, nobody had an ego, and so you know we had something special there, and. Um, with uh with that houston dynamo connection it was it was uh it was really good so that uh we could go up and train whenever they needed us to and so i think around march or early april i was already being invited up to go uh with like a few stints with the dynamo team just to get a feel for that environment and to to see the difference in rgv level to the dynamo level um, and then, you know, came come summertime, I was I was staying there a little bit longer, maybe a couple weeks at a time. And then by the end of the summer, I had already signed on with the first team um, after, um, you know, showing out with the uh, with the RGV team. Um, and that's when, you know, my career started with the Dynamo. And that's also at the end of the year, Wilmer had uh, taken the head coaching job with the Dynamo after. Uh, um, after Wade Barrett, the interim coach, um, had finished the year out. Yeah. 
So that's so, really cool. You've been with you. You were with Wilmore for a while, and you're you. Yeah. Then when you came to RGV yeah. and then going to Houston, that's really Dude, cool. He, that how how that works sometimes. And he was tough as nails. Like early on, uh, he was a no BS kind of coach. I mean, when when we would be at training, and sometimes at training, like you're that young, like you kind of mess around. Like Wilmer was no BS kind of coach. He would make <laughs> you run. Dude, he he would make us run. Like we played in a public park. And um, I think one day, I think a, a few of the players were distracted with someone who was like some attractive girl who was running around the track. Yeah. And Wilbur got so heated. He said, <laughs> you guys, you guys are more into that than you are into football. Go, go run around the track until I say stop. Go run. Jesus. And like, we're running and we're running and he'd make us run sprints. Like he was, he was tough, man. He was a tough coach, but. Dude, AJ, that- AJ told me a couple stories where he was like, dude. This guy does not play. I was like, "Fuck, man! It sounds like it." He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, when 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 he flips the switch and he's and he's angry and you know not to mess around, you yeah. you know that, that there's no BS right now and you need to just be quiet and just take your licks because you don't want to get on his bad side and you don't want to talk back to him and um, challenge challenge him when when he's in that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, but like he he can lighten up too and he jokes around a lot, but when it's time to work, it's time to work. And, uh, and, you know, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of, uh, disciplined us a lot when we were, uh, when we were youth players. And I think that, um, also set the foundation for me because it, it made me become more serious. So yeah, like we, we do have, uh, a bit of a history, him and I, and, uh, it was just, it was just cool to, for it to kind of come full circle just to see, um, him again in, in RGV and then go up to the Dynamo again. And uh, in that first year, it was a pretty successful year, making it all the way to the conference uh, conference finals where we lost against Seattle. Dude, I thought and, you guys uh, were going to beat them, and I thought you guys were going to go to the final. I had it. Oh, fuck, dude. That was, that was, that was a really good year for you guys. It was really good. Yeah. And it, was, it was exciting to see, again, as a fan and as a friend, yeah. To see, you know, before AJ got to the Houston Dynamo, seeing yeah. what, seeing, seeing how the team was doing. And they weren't necessarily doing that great, right? No. And then going into it, I kind of had, I mean, I don't even think I've ever uh, expressed this to him, but I don't, I don't think I ever told him, like, oh shit, man, you're going to that fucking team? Because <laughs> I, 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 I always want to be supportive in anything any of my friends do. I yeah. never want to be the one that's, you know, in your ear going like, oh, are you sure? Like, oh, man, that sucks. Oh, man. Like, there's I don't yeah. want any negativity coming out of my mouth. And then seeing yeah. the kind of season you guys had in 2016, dude, it was it was great to see. It was it was really yeah. great to see. And I and just seeing him, you know, obviously he got hurt, uh, which sucked for for it to go from, you know, a team that wasn't doing well to a team that you know almost made it to the final i thought that in itself was was a huge success yeah that was a special year man i mean just the amount of new players that we had and to kind of to kind of pull it all together for that first year isn't hard like in mls you have teams that are together for years like a core group of guys who are together for years and they're some of the strongest teams in the league and uh for the dynamo to have that much turnover and to bring in a fresh crop of new guys and to be that competitive in the first year 
um, it was something special to see. And um, yeah, we were a good team. Like playing at home, dude. You guys dominated the shit out of teams at home. It was. I know. I think. Yeah. Dude, the times you guys would win three, four, zero. I was like, "Fuck, man, they are strong." Yeah. yeah. At home, at home, no one could be. I think we lost one game at home. It might have been against like Portland at home or something. But every other game, we were winning, and um, you kind of had that 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 confidence at home, that swagger at home. Yeah. The fans, you had different energy at home, and um, you and you knew teams when when they saw some of the schedule to go to Houston to play. You knew they were thinking like, "Damn, we have to go down there." It's yeah, but not hot. only, it's not, yeah, I was just, I was just gonna say, not only were you guys a strong team, but now they have to deal with the with the heat. Oof. Yeah, no, that man, Houston that heat, man. You know the humidity is killing. No man, joke. Because, yeah, and you have players on our team who can run like the wind, and the and the humidity isn't even a factor because they like they grew up playing in that weather. Yeah, because you have a lot of like Central South American guys, and like Albert can run through anything. Right, and if you're if you're not ready to go 90 minutes in that heat and humidity, uh, it's going to be a long game for you. Oh, right. Yeah. So, well, that's why I thought uh, when you guys made it to when you guys uh, beat Portland on the road, that's that's when I was like, oh shit, they're gonna they're gonna go up to Seattle and and win it. And you know, obviously, you guys did it, but I mean, you guys fought yeah. like hell. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, Seattle was a complete like they're they are a playoff team though. Like they they might start off slow every single year they might start off slow, and then mid year they just turn it on, and they go on like these unbeaten streaks, uh, to close out the year, and then they're they're hitting stride right in the the end of it, yeah. for a right moment, and so I mean we knew Seattle was going to be a strong team we knew they were going to be tough to beat, um, and uh, I think we needed to beat them at home in that in that home leg we lost one zero. And, uh, you know, they didn't come to win it. They came to, to kind of play it safe because we had that kind of reputation about us, about playing yeah. at home. And uh, I think they ended up – we ended up getting a red card, right? Yeah, Jaleel uh, might have gotten a red card that game. We're down a man, and we ended up closing out the game 1-0. And then going there, playing Seattle, down a goal uh, is, in December is never a situation you want to be in. So, yeah. Um, we ended up losing, I don't know what it was like, maybe two or two zero or three zero. I forget what it was, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a, that was a special year. That was a good year. Just seeing everyone come together from different backgrounds and from different teams for that first year. And then to put the performance together that we did in the first year. And then the following year was the, was the U S open cup win. So that was another special year as well. And, uh, that was great. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a lot of adversity that year too, right? Because we had was, a lot yeah. of injuries. Like AJ was hurt, Felipe Senderos was hurt. We had Beasley who was also hurt. I picked up a, uh, a hamstring injury as well. Andrew Wang was picking up injuries. Jared Watts, who we just signed in because we were having so many injuries, he picks up an injury. Juan oh, David Cabezas, right. Juan David Cabezas, who who uh, was the MVP the prior year, was practically out the whole year in 2018. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, I remember that. You know, and so we're seeing a lot of these injuries. It, it's it's just a, a tough year because we came in with such high expectations. And then I think that's when uh, we saw the U.S. Open Cup as an opportunity for us to to write off all the negative of that year, all the adversity of that year. Like this is this can be our our uh, our perfect record here in this tournament. This could yeah. be 
because we uh, once we got to the quarters and we were playing Sporting Kansas City, and then we got to play LAFC in the penalties, and then dude, that was wild. Uh, <laughs> the penalties, I know. Oh man, so, I was watching it. I wanted to fly out to go see the game because you know I was yeah. talking with Adrian. I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll fly out. Uh, I don't know if you know me and my girlfriend are flight attendants. Oh no, I didn't know that. So that's why, like almost every other month, we'd be yeah. over there visiting them because I mean we oh, can just wow. hop on a, hop on a plane. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I was awesome. I was talking to him. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, like I'm thinking about going. And something happened where I I think I had a trip and I couldn't, but I was watching the game, and I was like, dude, what a fucking game! Like that was insane. I know the overtime and. Because we were up 3-1, and then they ended up 3-1 yes. or 3-2. No, or you guys were – I it believe was it was 3-1. And then um, she, I think Rossi scored the uh, two goals to tie it up. Yeah, yeah. And then we're in overtime, and it looks like both teams are gassed, right? Yeah. And, like, we go into PKs, and I remember talking to Philippe, uh, said they're us right before you take his PKs. Like, I don't like taking PKs, but whatever. I'm just going to go up there and hit it. Yeah. And he's <laughs> – and uh, he, I think he had like hurt his ribs too. He had like bruised ribs. Um, and he he goes up, he takes the PK, and Joe Willis came up big with uh, a couple saves. And we're yeah, moving did. on. We're moving on to the final. And uh, you know we can't wait. Come end of September, we can't wait. You know September's a special month. It's always going to be a special month, 2018 for me, just because um, it was a month where I got the opportunity to play center back more. And, you know, unfortunately, we did have uh, a few center backs go out with injuries, like Adolfo Machado. We had Leonardo. We had Jared Watts. Philippe was also out. And so that presented the opportunity for me to play against Portland in, uh, in September at home. And uh, I played center back. We closed the game out. We won 4-0. And then the following game on the road, we played against Orlando. And we had been losing a lot of games on the road that year, right? Yeah. Um, so we we got out of there with the zero zero draw. I was still kind of upset because I I thought we could have gotten out of there with uh, with three points. It would have been nice to have uh, you know come back home with three points and kept that that playoff um, that play the playoff hopes of just being better standing for the playoff run. Mm-hmm. And um, and so and the next game after that was the U.S. Open Cup. So I, I it's good for me that I got the Portland game and the Orlando game to get that under my belt as a center back because that uh, U.S. Open Cup final game, Philippe Senderos, he had been battling injuries all year, but he was just recovering and making it back for, like, um, these important games. And uh, he ended up getting hurt in that first half against Philly Union. I remember that, yeah. It was, like, 35th minute, and they were – he already – he looked over. And you can tell, like, Philippe wears his – emotions on his sleeve and you can tell in his body language when he's hurt and when he's not 100 percent. and so they're looking at him and they're asking him like philippe you need a sub and he's like trying to trying it out he's trying to keep playing and then he finally looks over and he does the sub gesture yeah and i pop and i pop up right away because i already knew that i was going to be going in um if anything happened to philippe um and so i i warm up quickly i already knew what was expected of me um, you know, I get my instructions and I go in. Wilmer tells me, uh, Philippe tells me, let's finish this out because we're already up to zero. He says, let's finish this out. Good luck. And uh, I go in the game and, you know, the nerves kind of hit me in the first minute or so. Yeah. But I think the second you get that first touch or the first play out from under you, it, you're just, you're, you're in the game. You're, you're locked in and 
nothing can sway you. Um, so um, I ended up going in like the 40th minute, went made it to the to the halftime. We were we were on top, and but Philly had a good team. And the thing about Philly is that they were doing really well in the Eastern Conference. They were they top were of their, yeah. they were top of their conference. So they had some good players. They were pulling off some wins, and I, you know we couldn't get complacent with them. Like I know we're playing at home, but they were also getting some opportunities um, to get back into the game. And so it was just having to put out some fires. And then the third goal came out of, uh, you know, a, a dangerous opportunity. And I think Rommel crossing it to Mauro and one of the center backs uh, hitting it in to his own goal. So we're up 3-0 and that, that just completely deflated them. And we were able to close that out. And I think at the end of that game, you, you rem- I remembered all – all the BS I had to go through in that first year of trying to transition from the college game to the pro game. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about my dad and what he has to go through and having to come back home and just, just to do it in front of them was a, a special moment. And so I, I it just yeah, all comes rushing imagine. back to you. Yeah. yeah. And I just, you know, I just, I just fell to the ground in the middle of the field and kind of uh, shed a few tears just because it was just, uh, it was just a beautiful culmination of, of the game and, and so much that I've, I've given my life to that it was nice to see it repay me or not repay me but like it's nice to see uh um for all the dreams come for all that that dream to to kind of hold that silverware for it to come to fruition and to uh to just kind of win a championship in your country it was just a special moment and a special feeling that I will have with me and I'll tell my kids about uh, yeah uh forever you know Dude, that was amazing. If I can pay you a compliment, man, I'll say every time I watched you play, I didn't, I didn't know much. I didn't, I shouldn't even say I didn't know much. I didn't know anything about you other than you were AJ's teammate, right? Yeah. Every time I saw you play, like not until I learned a little bit about you. Yeah. I always thought every time I saw you play, I just thought, oh yeah, this guy's like every time you were on the field, every time I saw you, you looked like a veteran who thank you was just steadfast like every time you were on the ball you seemed composed i mean i don't i don't ever remember seeing you make a mistake i'm sure you probably did Uh, (laughs) but i don't ever remember seeing anything that stood out to where i went oh man like he messed up on the other side you know when i'm watching aj play i'm like oh man he fucked up with that one but i can't ever remember uh a time where i thought oh man you know kevin kevin messed up there messed up there you always played very well it's, every it's time. Weird. Every time I saw you, thank you, Jesus. That means that means a lot to me, man. I mean, um, especially with with like the history I had of of trying to break into that MLS. Um, you know, you feel always feel like you're being evaluated, and you always feel like the uh, the microscope's on you. Yeah. And every training session, every game, there's an opportunity for you to showcase and show that you belong. And so I I always looked at that at every game I played as an opportunity to show the the management, to show the head coach that. They, they bet right when, when I was able to play and they could always confide in me and count on me when, when they needed me to come up, to come up in the games. And so um, that's what I always focused on. And I always wanted to make sure that I was uh, a good, stable option for, uh, for the coaching staff. And I was able to, you know, fill in in the back line where I was needed. And so, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't perfect every game, but I also wanted to make sure that I, I went out there and I gave it my own. I didn't have any regrets. Uh, but it's, it's funny how you say, like, yeah, 
you're obviously overly critical of like your friends and maybe family members who are playing the game, right? Because you always want them to to improve and you want to like give them feedback and stuff. But because um, like, I, I was always the same way with uh, like my best friends and my my brothers who were playing, like we were always like nitpicking each other's games. But uh, yeah. just thank you, thank you for the compliments, man. It means a yeah, lot. Yeah, man. You're you're one of those guys where ever since I saw you in Houston and I started following you. Uh, you know, on Instagram. Uh, now that you're playing for Tulsa, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm always going to be a fan of yours. That's another reason oh, why you. I wanted you on the podcast. <laughs> Not just to, oh, let me just get a soccer player. It's somebody that, like, you're somebody that I really wanted to talk to and get to know more because, you know, I, I did get to know you when you were in the, in the Houston Dynamo, when you were on the Houston Dynamo. And then now yeah. I just thought, I want to continue following your journey to see, to see what happens. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm still along for the ride. Um, you know, I love playing. I love, I love what the game has been able to bring to me. I mean, it's allowed me to meet my wife and brought a beautiful baby girl into my, into our lives. And, you know, some, some really special, beautiful memories that we've had over the years. And I've been able to, uh, you know, travel the world and meet different people. And, you know, people who I've invited to my wedding are people who I've met in Ireland and met in uh, Sweden and, you know, known from college and from traveling around playing the game. So, you know, I, I owe it all to the game. And so for me to be able to give back, you know, I want to make sure I, I'm able to, to give as much as I can to the game until my body can't take it anymore. And, um, you know, from there, um, we'll start a new, a new chapter in my life. But um, I want to keep playing. I love the game. And, you know, I'm always going to have that, that competitive spirit, that competitive drive in me to always want to win. Um, because it was instilled in me at such a young age. Dude, that's great to hear. Hey, man, I won't take any more of your time. Just want to say thank you very much for for giving me your time and being on the podcast. Hopefully, I'll have you again. And we can continue our conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Jesus. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I uh, I had a great time. Just let me know when you want me back on the on the show, and I'd be happy to join you again. Sounds good, man. Hey, and congratulations to you and your wife on your new baby girl. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon, man. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Jesus. That was, uh, that was awesome, man. Appreciate All right. it. All right, bud. And that's the show, guys. Thank you for coming back and listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Just a couple quick reminders. Please make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at the Jesus Show NTO. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jesus Show NTO. And surprise, surprise, the next episode is going to have video as well. So you can find me on YouTube at The Jesus Show. Not that one. Just type it in, search, hit subscribe, and then you can start following me on YouTube. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed it, like I said. And more original music from me taking us out. The Jesus Show. Not that one.